where can I find a list of companies that match donations? Oh, that's a good question. So here in Nevada, there's actually a really easy way to do it that's that's free. There are probably other ways to do it, but the one that I'm aware of is um, at both UNR and UNLV, if you go into the library and you go to the databases, if you go to the computers that are in the library, and if you can't help find them, um, a librarian will definitely point you in the right direction. Um, and they will give you access to all of the databases that the universities pay for. And one of them is Foundation Directory Online. Um, and that's got a list of all of the foundations or actually all of the companies that have matching gift programs. So if you go in awesome. and you filter for Nevada and then there's a checkbox that you can also filter for companies that match donations and it will give you a list of everybody that they're aware of in the state. Also, it works outside the state, right? You don't have to necessarily filter to Nevada. You can do someplace else in the country and get yeah. a list of everybody that, that they are aware of that matches donations. It's a good, good way to do that. amazing. And it's what a resource, right? Because that stuff is not inexpensive. And so being able to have free access to it is great. I yeah. know, uh, at least in Clark County, there's also the Clark County Library System that has the same access point. So they offer the same service. So um, for any of our listeners, um, check it out. You might be able to find this, you know, at the universities, in your local library system. So what a cool thing. And the other thing, you know, people might want to think about is when you have donors come in and give you, right, they fill out their form or they fill out something, you know, oftentimes now there's that checkbox that says, does your company match donations, right? Do you offer that? Um, And it's something that sometimes gets employees Um, more in the loop and like employees of companies who are donating to your organization more, you know, like asking what exactly does this mean? Oh, my, my company does have a matching donation program. So there's also ways to start to help people help you, right. Get that match. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Cause I think a lot of people don't realize they they may not realize that their companies even do that. Right. You have to like reach out to your HR people and say, Hey, are you guys, are you guys participating? And yeah, if you've got, um, I can see that as a good, communication between you and your constituents is, hey, can you ask your company if they match donations? Right, right. And I know companies, it's funny because some of the companies that I've heard over the years, they they literally will not, I mean, it is up to the employee to ask them, right? It is is not always a super um, transparent policy. I mean, it's not like something they're hiding, but sometimes it takes the employees having the initiative saying, do you do this? Um, or employees just miss that in the co- company communication. So it's a, it's a great conversation. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit boards. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Stacy Wedding here, the amazing Stacy Wedding. Hey, everybody. I'm Andy Schurich. This is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. And the way this works is that you send us questions. You email them to us. You go to the Nonprofit Everything webpage and you type it into the form there. You tweet them at us. Yes, you, we've had people text us, whatever you got. If you, you know our number, get in touch with us. Bug us. And we will write those questions down. We will answer them on the air. If we don't know the answer, we will rope in somebody who does. We've got a whole bunch of really amazing experts that we like to tap to, to answer those questions for you. Um, and with that, let's jump right in. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Brenda J. Stout CPA, a full-service accounting firm specializing in nonprofit tax compliance and IRS problem resolution. Find out more at brendastoutcpa.com or check the Nonprofit Everything show notes for contact information. Thank you, Brenda J. Stout CPA. Thank you, Brenda. How common is it for potential board members to withdraw themselves from consideration? Our last two have. I'm a little bit in shock. We also recently had two good additions who went through the very same process. Our board is in transition from working to governing, and I'm always very upfront about that. But these last two never had the opportunity to discuss it. Both have offered reasons why, but they felt hollow. Just wondering how frequently I might have to deal with the disappointment and what I could have done differently. Oh, I know that can be so tough, especially when you feel like you might have some good potential board members. Uh, You know, I haven't seen it happen too frequently, but I think these are the things that are easy for uh, those of us in the nonprofit sector to take personally and to really start to take to heart. And it, it could be so many things. I mean, it could be that the potential board members started to really realize what it meant to be a board member and they self-selected out because they realized they don't have the time. And if that's the case, good. Yeah, like, that's a good right? thing. <laughs> good. Like you don't have to deal with that problem then versus having right an uh, inactive board member. Right. Things come up in people's lives, right? So I think this is one of those things. I mean, you might want to look and if it continues to be a trend, then maybe you need to look um, within the organization more at your process for, uh, you know, how you're communicating this. Are your expectations unrealistic for somebody who's volunteering their time? I mean, but but I don't think you're at that point yet. I think I think this is just perhaps it was just kind of a fluke. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that, if it'd be interesting to see if you can get to what the root cause, because either there is one, right? Like you just said, either there's some reason that they decided to self-select out. Maybe they, you know, they started to get the documentation and then there was the give or get policy, yeah. right? And they went, oops, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, or the, or it's just random, right? And the way random works isn't like, like random things happen, don't happen at even intervals no. because then they wouldn't be random, right? <laughs> random things happen randomly. So, so having two right in a row just could be like, you just got unlucky and those two just happened. But it might be interesting into digging into that. I'm trying to think of ways that you could dig into it. You might talk to your existing board members and say, you know, talk to the, you know, pick up a board member that you like or you're really friendly with and say to them, um, here's what happened. We went through this process. What do you think, you know, maybe you want to reach out to them and see if you yes. can get the real story because yeah, as a, as an ED, you're going to get a filtered story. Right. Of course. And, and a lot of times people will talk to their peers and they'll, they'll say, you know what? I was interested in it. And then I decided I, I hate puppies and I just don't work with your organization. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, I also think that there's room for, um, what I would caution is not to get, let something like this scare you into, lessening your expectations because it's easy to overreact to something like this and to all of a sudden say, oh gosh, we're asking too much, right? Let's pull back. And it may not be that at all. So to your point, Andy, it's like, how do you get to the, if you can figure out the root cause, then, then great. And, you know, and at the end of the day, if this continues to happen, then probably a larger discussion. How do you respond when you see another organization replicate almost all of your successful event? 
And how do you respond when someone from another local organization calls you to say that they like your event so much and they want to do something just like it and then (laughs) proceed to ask you how you put it together? I have a range of professional responses and several not so professional responses. What are your thoughts? Uh, I want to hear the not so professional. That could be kind of a fun podcast segment. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, what do they say is that that about the the sincerest form of right. flattery, right? Just so copying, yeah. Right. So so I, on one hand, you know, I can see how it's super frustrating that you've done something, then you thought it was really really good. Um, I can tell you about just just a personal experience, not specific to an event, but specific to everything else. So um, I've been lucky enough to be on the startup team of a few organizations where we there was nothing really there beforehand, and we had to create it from scratch. And and one of the things we did very intentionally is to look at every other organization that's doing similar work around the country and copy everything that they're doing right and not copy anything that they're doing wrong. Um, and the, the, it's, it's sort of an analog. It feels like to me to the same, the same challenge where if you've got multiple organizations in a community that are doing similar work, um, a lot of times donors and grantors get upset that there's like five people doing the exact, they feel like they're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and our, our sort of common response to that one is that, well, if the market can support five, the market can support five. And is the problem solved yet? If it's not solved, then, Hey, why not can't, why not have more people working on it than just one? Maybe there's multiple ideas. If you've got a whole bunch of people working on the same thing, that's great. So, so it feels like kind of an analog to that situation where you should be flattered that somebody's copying your idea. Also, your event is is not your organization, um, and it shouldn't be. So if if the purpose that people give you, the reason people give you money is because you came up with a really amazing event idea, you need to sort of rethink your nonprofit because that's not the point of it. The point of it is to have some sort of social impact that's related to your mission and not to be able to throw really good parties. <laughs> exactly. That's a really good point. And the other thing I think to this is, gosh, we only have so much energy in a day, Right. This is one of those things that is out of your control. So as sad as that is and how frustrating as it is when you're like, God, we came up with this amazing event idea or concept and everyone loved it. And then you see someone else copying it. It's out of your control, right? You can't change that. So so I think there comes a point where you have to kind of say, all right, like I'm going to. Let them do it. And here's the thing. Even if they do it, it's still going to be a little different. They're not our organization. They're not exactly us and our mission and the way we do it. And so you have to kind of have the confidence that, hey, if it's working for you, keep doing it. Keep building on that. And and no one else is going to ever be able to replicate it exactly because they're not you. And so I think there's a little bit of trying to find some some peace with that. And I think as far as the person who actually asked you for, you know, that your fellow organization who was very transparent about, we want to basically copy your event. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of an internal organizational, that's, that's a a kind of a, a gut check. And I also think that goes back to core values. Some organizations collaboration and collaboration looks a lot of different ways or sharing and communication and transparency is very much a core value. So if that's important to your organization and you don't have a problem with it, share. Um, But you also are under no obligation to do so. And what I almost think, like, I mean, probably where I would fall if I were in those shoes is I would give them a broad brush of here's sort of the broad strokes of what's worked for us. But guess what? They get to learn the other stuff, right? They get to learn 
the nuances, what, you know, the, the roadblocks or the sort of pain points you've already gone through to perfect your event, they get to figure that out themselves. Like you don't have to give them a handbook that has it all. I mean, it's kind of just back to what your philosophy is on this kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is a good point is that, you know, the idea is part of it, but a significant part of it is execution, right? Yes. It's like anybody can say, you know, I think, I think a performing arts center would be a great idea, right? But yeah. then you have to actually do one, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. a lot of work. So, and, and that's, you know, you hear the same thing when you're talking to entrepreneurs that have like a good idea, they've yes. got this great idea and they want to keep it a secret because they're afraid if they mention it to somebody, somebody's going to steal their idea. The reality is that never happens no. because all the hard work is on the execution exactly. side. So, you know, I mean, if you want to torpedo them, maybe like you had a terrible vendor that did part of it, you could like pitch that like, <laughs> oh yeah, we worked with this guy. He was great. You know, I don't know <laughs> if you want to be vindictive, but, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be super, I mean, it's great. It's sort of a great uh, cocktail complaining story, right? Totally. You sit around having drinks and go, you know what happened? Woe is me, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. We have such an amazing event that someone's copying it. So. Totally. Yeah. It's a humble brag. Our organization is considering a name change. What things should we keep in mind? Well, name changes are a big deal, uh, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that is, I mean, first, I my hope is that you've really weighed kind of the pros and cons. What is the purpose? What is the why for the name change, right? That is my big question there is, have you really done the analysis to figure out what a name change is going to do? I see so many times boards, new boards come on, right? You get all several new board members and they all want a new website and they all want, they all oh, want right. a new website, don't yes, they? God, we need so to redo painful. the website. Oh, yeah. and let's change our name while we're at it. So I'm hoping you're not falling into that trap. So we think the first thing is really doing sort of having a hard look at what is the purpose for this name change? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, um, what is going to be the impact on our donors, the clients, the people we're serving, our key stakeholders? I mean, there is so much to think about just in that realm itself. And then, I mean, don't even get me started on the cost and time. Um, <laughs> you think about all of your materials, right? Mm -hmm. That collateral, the written collateral, the website stuff, signage, t-shirts, tchotchkes, whatever it is, like anything that's got your name on it. So you've got that piece um, that you've got to take into consideration and that takes time and that costs money. So do you have the money to even do this, right? That's a pretty practical reason. Right. Um, Remember when everybody had letterhead and along the left-hand side of the letterhead, they had the board of directors oh, yes. listed and every time the board would change, they'd have to update the letterhead, which means, I mean, back in the day, you had to like call the designer person, you yes. called the printing company and they would do whatever the crazy, it was super expensive to redo the plates. Yes. You needed to redo plates. And you'd have to do that. And then you've got this giant stack of letterhead that has like a dead guy on it or something. And so you can't use it. But then the at least the CFO and me is like, just use it. Just put a label over that name, right? <laughs> the label looks tacky. No one cares. Exactly. Like they're not gonna, you're gonna, they're, exactly. maybe, worst case, they look at it and they go, oh, I miss him, right? <laughs> right. Totally. So, yeah, it's the, kind of the same thing where you think about like, all of the stuff you're going to have to junk and yes. redo. Oh, like, what so, a waste, right? So, one oh. of the, so Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, right? Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits is a super long name. Yes. The, the, the website is allianceforNevadaNonprofits.org. There's also a .com, but it's, but, and that's like, seriously, like what, 250 yes, characters? That's tough, it's, yeah. it's really hard to, and, and the board has had several conversations, like over the years, the board's had several conversations about like, okay, see, we say, and that's short, but we still have to type in this long thing. You know, and just the, 
like every time the board goes, yeah, no, it's not. Because if we change the website, then look at all the extra stuff that we have to we change yeah. the URL. All that stuff has to change and we have to manage it. And it just becomes like it's too much work. And so, yeah, you'd have to have a really super important purpose. Um, I know I know some like major organizations, like especially ones ones dealing with race in yes. the 30s and 40s, right, may have had words in them that are now considered to be um, indelicate mm-hmm. or, or offensive mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. cases, right? And, and even those organizations, they just move to an acronym, right? right? Or, they, or they change what one of the letters refers to, right? It now yeah. is a different word, right? So, so coming, up with, coming up with ways that you don't have to necessarily, um, uh, like, change go the whole thing the and whole go through the whole thing and just yeah. figure out, like, abbreviate it. Um, or, or come up with something that, that makes it a little different. Um, the only time I can think that you would want to totally change your name is if your mission is completely changing. If there's something, exactly. you know, like March of Dimes, for example, like right. they were, I mean, they were always called the March of Dimes, right? But they were initially um, to, to remove polio. They wanted to get rid of polio, right? And then they pretty much eradicated polio and hopefully it doesn't come back, but <laughs> they pretty much eradicated <laughs> polio. Yeah. Um, but, but they had this big sort of, Tons of donors, they, people recognize the name, they got the marketing machine. And so they decided that they were going to pivot, but they didn't change their name, right? Exactly. Because they wanted to keep that brand recognition and all that exactly. kind of stuff in place. So. It is a big, it's a big decision. And the other thing, and this is getting a little bit technical about it, but, you know, the, there's also different levels of paperwork and forms and stuff you have to go through. So like if you were to do a full fledged name change you're talking changing articles of incorporation, notifying the IRS, getting a new, you know, determination letter. So there's, there's, it's not impossible. It's all stuff you can manage, but it's stuff to keep in mind. And then I know some organizations who've gone through a name change, who've done the DBA, right? Mm-hmm. The doing business as so that it's less of those forms and paperwork to do. Here's the challenge with that though. If you go into GuideStar and you look at any of those organizations who've done the DBA, their DBA is not what shows up on GuideStar, right? Right. So the challenge with that, or even like an online giving platform, right? So someone puts in, it's their legal name that gets put in. So if that's been changed or DBA, it doesn't show up. So that can get kind of sticky too. So yeah. And and donors, I've heard that from donors too. And it's at least me, you look up something and it's, it's a DBA and it, it immediately makes me feel like what's going on. Exactly. Is this a, a nonprofit shell company with 56 exactly. individual brands and they're trying to suck, you know, I'm not going to get scammed by no. you, right? After a few years of running a budget deficit funded out of savings, we have built our reserves back up. It's close to 18 months worth. And I'm wondering if there's a sound way to get a better return on that savings amount than the, you know, 0.2% we're getting from the credit union savings account. Are there things nonprofits can do with savings legally? How can we maximize our money and still keep it safe? Well, that's like literally the million dollar question, right? The Okay, so so we'll answer the factual stuff first. So are there things that nonprofits can't do with savings legally? So is there there's stuff that you're not allowed to do? Um, it depends on what that money is. So if it's just a, a reserve that you've designated as staff, like maybe you or the board has de- designated that as a reserve, um, there's not you, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, the IRS starts to get upset. Um, the Treasury Department starts to get upset once you start funding and investing in really complicated, dangerous stuff 
when it's been uh, an endowment. If that money is supposed to be kept forever, if it's a permanent restriction, you used to call it a permanent restriction, that's now gone. Um, but if it used to be a permanent restriction, if the intent of the donor is for you to keep that money forever, you are not allowed to do crazy things with it. Um, if you have an endowment, that means you probably, if you've got money that's permanently restricted, you probably have an auditor that's involved. And that's a really good question for the auditor. And the word you want to say is UPMIFA, U-P-M-I-F-A. That's an acronym. Say that to the auditor and say, hey, I, I have some questions about this. And they will tell you all of the things you can and can't do. Um, so, but if that's not the case, so because that wasn't the question necessarily, if it's just like a savings account and you're trying to get more than two tenths of a percent, yeah, there's stuff that you can do. I would I would recommend that you um, very carefully craft what you want that money to do. Like so, so do you need to get it out quickly and then and then put together an investment policy around it? So figure out what what you want the the money to do. So because what happens is if you want to get, I mean, this is just common sense. This isn't even a nonprofit question, right? This is just an investment yeah, question. Yeah. So so we're probably the wrong people to answer it. Um, the, oh, we, we can bring on an expert, well, a financial advisor expert. Yes. Yeah, but do we want to? <laughs> I don't think I want to. All right, oh. So I'll give you the shortest answer, which is, which is yes, you can. But in general, the more you make, the riskier it is. So, so if you want to get a higher rate of return, there's a, you're more likely to not have that money be available for when you need it. So the higher rate of return you want, the riskier it is, which means that it may go high, but it also may go low. So that volatility between, you know day to day may be crazy and that make make in my experience that seems to make boards really uncomfortable absolutely boards are really hyper conservative when it comes to investing which is probably why you've got it in a a savings account that looks like it's probably insured by the federal government yes so 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 put together my recommendation put together a board committee throw some people on it that actually know about investments and stuff and then let them you know help you put the investment policy together and can help you with the investment policy. They've probably got a, if you're a member of Ann, you can probably download the sample investment policy statement. So you can kind of see the kinds of things that are supposed to be in it. Um, and then you can kind of craft where you want that money to go, but make sure that you're doing it in concert with your board so that you don't Absolutely. get, because you don't want to be, the finance person doesn't want to be no. making those decisions no. on their own because inevitably <laughs> whatever you pick, it's something's going to go wrong. Yes. It's going to dip below zero at yes. some point and you're going to get in big trouble. And if you have the board, if you, if that was the board's decision and not your decision, you've, you've saved your job. Yeah. And I think also with the sort of idea of an investment committee or task force or whatever you structure that as look at getting outside professionals, I think getting a fresh pair of eyes and obviously someone who's not trying to sell you their own services or, you know, signs a conflict of interest, but somebody who can offer some, some seasoned um, advice and expertise on this, um, even if you have those people on your board, I think it's always good in a thing like this to also sort of have an external pair of eyes to sort of gut check it mm -hmm. a little bit. And I'm a believer that operating reserves, if there is a reserve or rainy day fund, it is smart to have a policy around that too, because it's amazing how many organizations have different opinions about what a reserve can be tapped into or not. You want to make sure your board is in sync with you as staff about what can that be used for or not. It's not, you know, investment policy I look at is for longer term investments. Operating reserve might be shorter term, like how this is now or whether it's in a, you know, interest bearing CD or whatever it is like. But an operating reserve policy seems like it's also a great thing for sort of short term. You want to be on clear as mud on that, like or not clear as day, not clear as mud. <laughs> mud isn't very clear. Anyways, you totally want to be clear on that, right? Is 
Is it appropriate for the board treasurer to approve fiscal reports at a board meeting when she is the one doing the summarizing and reporting her findings to the board? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm imagining a situation where the, like, um, there's a balance sheet, an income statement, a cash flow statement, and those are being presented to the board during a board meeting and say, here is, do you have any questions? Um, the, the, then you should take a vote on, on either just approving the report and saying like, we've accepted this report and whoever compiled that information, if it was the treasurer that put it all together, the treasurer should just straight up abstain. So it's just, if it's a vote, like, you know, I, nay, one abstention. Right. Like, so they, so they, I don't know, like that, if that's the question, that's the answer. So it's interesting because I've heard something different and it might be, I have never, unless you are approving. So, so I'm not a believer that I believe you can do a financial update. I don't believe you have to approve the reports or the financials at a board meeting. So you, ex, you know, you can accept the report and you can ask questions and have a discussion about it. I've always looked at it as to so you approve a budget, you approve the 990, you approve audited financials. But for the most part, I think it's just about delivering a report. And you're saying different. You're saying absolutely approve it. You want to make sure that the board has the board has actively looked at it and you want to have something. So, yeah, there, there is a difference between approving things and accepting things. I've had board members give me lectures on that. Honestly, I don't know the difference. I know like there's some things that you're you're accepting someone's advice um, versus like making an approval that you've looked at it. So, yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a Robert's Rules of Orders question, honestly, and I'm not an expert on Robert's Rules of Order. So so there there could be a, a difference there. I think the point is, is that the that you have a board there that their responsibility is to, to say, yeah, to look at those things and to say that, you know, I've looked at them. So whatever, whatever proactive thing that you want to have in the minutes that it happened, it was presented and that everybody present like agreed that it was presented, whatever that process is through Robert's rule of order is probably what I'm. And I think it's also the, yeah, I I think to the point of if there is something that's being approved um, officially, you know, and so let's just use as a straightforward example, audited financials or um, 990 or a budget. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, treasure should abstain. I mean, that's just, it's too much. It's too close. You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, um, you know, you need to make sure that others are are reviewing and someone's not trying to kind of push them into, Hey, approve this right. Without even looking at it. And I mean, and and the, all the abstention does is it changes the number of people that make it so it can be approved. I don't know about you. Have you ever, in a board meeting, had anybody ever say nay to anything? I think maybe, <gasps> maybe if I think about 20 years in this industry, <laughs> maybe twice. Wow. See, cause I'm, I'm thinking back and like the, so as a, as an executive, when you're working with your committee and you're working with your board, it's almost like it's sort of a rule of thumb that you never want to present something during a board meeting that you don't already know is going to be approved or accepted. Right. So you, you, you do that work beforehand. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I think in my experience, I have never in my entire experience ever had anybody say anything other than yay or abstain. And what I will say, what's interesting is I'm thinking about one of these experiences that happened not too long ago and it was actually, um, they ended up, because it was such a contentious issue, the board decided they were going to do a secret ballot vote. It wasn't about elections. It was about term limits, and the board was really divided. And um, so did this sort of 
secret ballot vote. Um, wow. And that, yeah. And that is how they um, actually, that's how the nays came forward. And it, that tells you a lot about the culture of that organization. <laughs> I know, right? I'm glad you were working with them. <laughs> oh yeah. That was a treat. <laughs> so, okay. So here's your homework. Ask us that question about board term limits. You know what my goal is, Andy? What? I want to get Nonprofit Everything on like the top 10 nonprofit podcast list. I was on a message chain in a Facebook group the other day and someone asked the question, what are your favorite nonprofit podcast? And ours wasn't listed. So that's my personal goal. It's probably a bit lofty, but I think we could do it, right? Have you listened to some of the other ones? Uh, no. So I'm going to check them They're out and terrible. see. Uh, oh, are they? <laughs> yeah, I've listened to a few. I've listened to a handful, you know, because I'm interested in it and I want to know what's going on. I've listened to a few and I'm always like, why? Why oh. do I have to listen to some consultant babble at me about whatever their stupid book was? I mean, it's just like, it just makes me so frustrated. <laughs> wow. Well, I wonder, I'll have to share this list with you and then yeah, you'll have please to do. Like, I'll compare. listen to it and I'll rate them all. Yeah, I'll exactly. I'll go on iTunes and give them all one star. Anyways, this, this leads us to thank you for, for joining us for another episode. If, if you are finding this beneficial or valuable, please, we are looking to have you, you know, please rate us, give us a rating, uh, let us know what we could do better, share this with your, your friends and your colleagues, because God, if we're going to make that top 10 list, we need you to be our partners. We need way more listeners than we have right now. If we're going to uh, anywhere please, near the top pretty 10. Pretty please. No, we actually are. We, we have pretty good listenership. We get tons of questions. We love getting questions. So please go ahead and continue. To do that. And a special thank you and shout out to Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits who makes all of this possible. Mm-hmm.